Hello, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm excited. I'm hyped. 2020. It's big. New Troll decade. next season. <laughs> Troll next season, exactly. <laughs> Ryan's created a new hashtag called Troll Next Season because I'm wearing a roll neck, but I tend to be... Um, a massive troll. Yeah, a massive troll as well. So yeah, yeah, troll next season. Um, yeah, I'm good. And I'm looking forward to the next few months of football. There's so much to look forward to, actually. There's loads. Yeah, good times. So much to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. Where should we start? I don't know. Where shall we start? Well, we've got a lot of questions in the mailbag. Yeah, because we're recording a little bit later this week because you were away. That's right. Yeah, um, But we'll be back to the regular schedule next week. So every Monday. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd do a little mailbag again because they're always fun, these, and they throw up themes that we were probably going to talk about anyway, but we can answer them in a little bit more of a fun way. Absolutely. Before we get into it, though, let's talk a little bit of football. Yep. Arteta's Arsenal. Quite tasty. They're looking all right, huh? Yeah, like he knows what he's doing. It's really strange to see Arsenal with a plan. Yeah, and uh, I think Barry Glendening said on the Guardian Football Weekly, which you were on, actually, you've been quite busy on the podcast circuit. Um, oh, yeah. Did my little the, podcast tour of London. Yeah, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Was too. You did, you did the uh, Football Weekly and also the uh, one with... Um, on the Continent, the Football on the Con- one. With Lars Sivertsen and Andy Brassel. I did, yes. And enjoyed, enjoyed those very much. Thanks. And Barry Glendening said in the Guardian Football Weekly that Arteta's managed to get a tune out of Mesut Ozil, which is... Interesting, but I think also speaks to the fact that Arteta more generally has improved the performance of, you can see the improvement in the other players. And it's not just their enthusiasm, the new manager, it's genuinely a sense of they're within a system that they feel comfortable expressing themselves. Well, even even in sort of the reverses that Arsenal have had, you're like, well, these guys have been useful. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they didn't have that typical new manager bounce where they won three on the, right. on the bounce. Drew away at Bournemouth in Arteta's first game, lost the Chelsea game at home, although they were the better side for the vast amounts of that game and then obviously the Manchester United game which was the one that everyone focused on yeah and then the first half against Leeds where they were dreadful but I, th- I don't know whether that was partially because of Leeds being good yeah I mean you saw the side really really well coached been really well coached by Bielsa for a while everyone knew what they had to do having said on the podcast I think it was the the one that we did the stadios that I didn't really have an opinion on the Arteta thing because I literally didn't know what like how it was going to look there's no track record for w- what he's like as a manager but so far I've been super super impressed by him and and I actually tweeted after the the first press conference he did which was literally like two or three days after we'd done that stadio podcast I was just like I think I've drank the Arteta Kool-Aid already. oh my god you know it's funny you're not alone in that a very good friend of mine who coaches the football team that I played for here in Berlin uh, Andrew Weber. And he's a, he's a, he's a sceptical guy. He was mm. like, I enjoy press conferences so much. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I just think, and I wrote back to him, I said, look, I think this was a really bold and a brilliant hire, actually. Well, I mean, it's very early days, obviously, but I think initial signs are- I'm backing it. I'm backing it because I think, I think it is a bold hire. I think it is a brilliant hire. Whatever happens, simply because it's shown people that if you are innovative and you are highly regarded, there is a place for swift advancement. Mm. And it's not about having a cabinet full of trophies behind you. It's about what you have ahead of you. And we are in an era where ideas are going to win. Ideas are going to narrow the financial inequalities between clubs. Innovation is everything. You look at what Nagelsmann's doing at Leipzig, and Leipzig do have resources, don't get me wrong. But Nagelsmann's thinking is the reason that Leipzig looks so dangerous. Yeah, and I just think that purely by getting this team playing as the sum of its parts, is good enough for now because I think it was really interesting that some of the ways that you've seen Arsenal play already 
give you a little bit of insight into what you th- what Arteta will probably want this team to look like. And David Luiz, after the Man United game, came out and said, you know, we're knackered, we're not fit enough yet for this. Wonderful to hear that yeah. there's a conditioning issue and to know that they could get much better. And can I just throw this as well? The talk about Nicolas Pepe, and I won't name names, but I saw a few comments about Nicolas Pepe from people who should know better. And I was like, this is an outstanding player. It's an outstanding player who clearly has, you know, elite qualities mm. and who will need time to develop, but who's already shown, even in a, time, a team that's been, you know, not very well coached, I have to say, until Arteta arrived, has still shown abundant talent. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm always, I don't, you know, I know it's social media and people just say stuff, but maybe if we could be a mo- bit more careful in general about writing off players who clearly have that elite level of talent, it would be best, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think people tend to forget that how hard it can be to settle in a new country with a new club, playing under that much pressure in a team that wasn't functioning very well either. And especially a team that didn't have you a, a defined role for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and a team that wasn't, just didn't seem to have any kind of plan at all. No, right. The early signs are really encouraging, I think, from the Arteta thing. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I've really enjoyed is that he's mentioned a few times, like how important the supporters are, how important it is for everyone within the entire club to to buy into what he's doing. Communication in that is really key. And I didn't, I mean, we've spoke about this a number of times, like I didn't enjoy a lot of the jokes made around Emery and his communicating and stuff yeah. like that. And I thought he, that was ugly, he always was, tried. Yeah, yeah. However, there were multiple reports that his ideas and, what, and his instructions weren't really getting through to the players and the players did find it quite hard to understand a lot of the time, you know. And I think you've seen the importance of communication here straight away with Arteta. Do you know what's funny? Just to jump, just jump in. This is why it's so hard for a lot of managers to come to Germany because there's very yeah. few world-class managers that speak fluent German. And that's been a real challenge for the Bundesliga, I think, at some extent. Yeah, I think, you know, Pep did really well to learn German. I think he did it in that sabbatical year that he, cause yeah. he knew he was going. But yeah, elsewhere in other managerial news, Ancelotti at Everton, which is great. Did that really happen like while that. we were on off air? Uh, I think it did. Or just before we did our drunk cast? I think it was... Just before we, we didn't really fully analyze it, mm. and I'm really happy about it. I think it's great, although it's kicked off already. Yeah, it has. With <laughs> actually, there was a really good tweet that I flagged up of this, which is a little bit harsh on Fabian Delph, I must admit, but this still made me laugh. Um, Ant Campbell at Ant underscore EV78, and someone just retweeted it into my timeline. So, Carlo Ancelotti's head must be absolutely fried. He's managed Kaka, Maldini, and Nesta to European Cup triumphs but he's being told his tactics don't work by Fabian Delph, <laughs> who has spent more time in the back of an ambulance than my cousin, who is a fucking paramedic. Oh my God. Oh my God. Brutal. A little bit harsh. But the first reply, which is quite fair, actually saying Fabian Delph won the Premier League playing left back in possibly the best side the league has ever seen. Yeah. Is that one of those BBC balance things there? We just did a little... Yeah, exactly. You did that. No, but I think, look, actually Delph wouldn't... He's, there's not really any sense that he's not a model professional. You no, don't not really at all. So for him to say that is interesting. Um, maybe this has come because of the loss to Liverpool in the cup and a game where, you know, given the sort of the relative weakness of the Liverpool's turnout, although those are good players still in the Liverpool team, Everton might have hoped to do better, maybe get a win there. I mean, they've not won at Anfield for years. Well, though. that's the thing. I, I just feel pretty good about the Ancelotti hiring. Yeah, I mean... Especially as Calvert-Lewin scoring. That was a thing that wasn't happening. Moise Keane looks happier. Yeah. That's I mean, interesting. Give him a coach who might understand him a little bit. And well, here we go. Here exactly. Go. I just worry there was a kind of element with Duncan Ferguson of like, oh, they say you're all that. Let's give you a bit of a kick and see what comes out. You know, that kind yeah. of really reductive, 
Yeah. Very, you know, you know what I'm talking about? It's that very particular sort of form of, ooh, we've been told you're talented, silver spoon in your mouth. And I'm like, no, he's a black striker at Juventus has not had a silver spoon. Like, doesn't need that. Any black player playing in Serie A doesn't have a silver spoon. Right. Even, no matter t- how much money they earn. Real talk. You know, I mean, do we really need to go into that anymore? No, we don't. We don't. I mean, yeah. I don't need, to be honest. I mean, even when they get their like great results, I'm not that keen to talk about. Anyway, yeah. Ooh. Oh my God. Can I just say, since I'm quickly on Serie A, Lukaku against Napoli balling out. Did you see his opening goal? I did. Oh my goodness. There is a man has been liberated. He's obviously got his like WhatsApp group, his good mates. For those who haven't seen it, Napoli um, beat, Napoli beaten 3-1 by Inter. So Inter now back top on goal difference of Serie A. And Lukaku scored an absolute beauty to open the game. Speaking of Napoli, Diego Deme is gone from RB Leipzig to Ooh. Napoli. Which is great because he's named after Diego Maradona and his dad's a massive Napoli fan. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's cool, huh? Uh, Zlatan's back at Milan. Yes, and he's upsetting people. And, <laughs> and his statue is gone. Oh, actually, there's a great piece by this by Lee Roden on the BBC yeah. sport website about yeah. why Zlatan's um, statue has been vandalised in Malmo. Yeah, it's quite a sad story, actually. It's got to be moved. Sad story, that. Check it out if you yeah. get a moment. Effectively, because Zlatan's invested quite heavily in a rival club and Malmo fans are feeling betrayed and they're like, basically all this talk about Malmo on the map, how much was he really there for us and just for himself? And it's funny because Zlatan at Malmo now, sorry, Zlatan at Milan now, there was a slight sort of tragicomic element if you look at sort of two iconic institutions which have fallen far from glory. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, when I say Zlatan's fallen far from glory, I don't mean in terms of his on-the-pitch achievement. I mean, in terms of his place, his legacy, and this is kind of sad for him, he's kind of ruined it because the amount of goodwill that guy had, working-class hero, multiple title winner, Someone like him, with his achievements, should be more beloved. Like, really. I think be. that's what happens, though, when you become a caricature of yourself. When you do the, I came, I conquered, blah, 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 I, you know, go back to watching baseball. Like, whether it's a joke or not, things like that, just after a while, it's like, dude, you know, he reminds you're me a of, grown man. Do you know who he reminds you know? me of? You know all these like, rappers like, like Takashi69, where the, the imagery becomes more than the content? Yeah. I was talking to my um, cousin, uh, shout out to Juma. Juma's listening, I think. Juma from visiting the UK from New York at the moment. And Juma's like a brilliant musician, brilliant MC. And they were talking about his work and he was saying, look, we need to like promote this stuff and that stuff. How about using stuff which is more content-based, so like less music, but like more visuals, like memes and so on. And his mates were like, Juma, no, like you're a sick rapper. Don't, you don't want to become a meme. You don't want your work to become associated with that because sometimes the kind of, the packaging overcomes the content and I think Zlatan is a great example of like a rapper where the packaging overcomes the content yeah definitely before we go to a break and then get into the mailbag I want to talk about this amazing interview with Arna Friedrich (laughs) oh wow what's he up to now (laughs) so he's Klinsman's assistant at Hertha and there was a thing on Kicker shouts to Stefan Ersfeld the Don himself yes uh, yes who hipped me to this so there's there's one section of this which is absolutely amazing where he's talking about a good friend of his who's kind of like a Navy SEAL, but with the Marines. The translation might not be super, super accurate, but it says that he's, he founded a couple of startups that are like underwater workouts. And one is a game called the Underwater Torpedo League. Oh my God. <laughs> the Underwater Torpedo. What, what, what is that? What does that involve? So basically it's, it's like five against five underwater with like a small torpedo, but I imagine that's some kind of a ball torpedo yeah. thing, probably like a Nerf or right. something like that. I need to do some more research on this, actually, because this sounds pretty wild. In preparation for it, there's a, an underwater workout that he said he participated in. And they work with dumbbells underwater and all this kind of stuff because... And, and they're getting players to do that. Well, he said that he might bring some stuff from that 
into the training <laughs> because <laughs> the drown stuff like that follow you know fosters team spirit he said underwater water polo it's basically sounds like underwater water polo hey dude it's the underwater torpedo league but <laughs> stefan said you know it's a great band name and then i actually retweeted it today because he wrote a thing saying dembo and the underwater torpedo league. <laughs> the underwater torpedo league that's brilliant <laughs> but um yeah loads of fun Herta are just so much fun at the moment they're linked with everyone who's available for a just under 25 million euros. They were Luca Bacco sh- cost about 25, didn't he? He 20, was 20, 20, so he was their he's their highest transfer fee. Before that it was only about 8 million euros their transfer record. For a club with 60,000 fans a week, that's not that much, is it? Yeah, but it's also you look at clubs like Dortmund and teams like that, their their record transfers aren't huge com- until comparatively, until recently, yeah, you, know, recently, yeah. you don't get mid-table clubs spending 60 million euros in the Bundesliga. Actually talk about Dortmund doing business. I mean, we could get into the that boy Haaland that big that is big I mean it's kind of been done to death already but there For are sure. a few Dortmund games coming up that I'm going to try and go to so maybe we can absolutely yeah get back about that afterwards. actually did a great segment on Holland to Dortmund on the Garden Football Weekly for those listening yeah, it was that. very brief yeah. and then we chatted about it in detail with Lars because obviously Lars is Norwegian and a Norwegian football expert indeed on, on the continent and let's take a break yeah, and then we'll it. come back with the mailbag back from the break first question from Ola Fizeo oh Ola shout out how's it going he just said how was your winter break oh and that's so wholesome with a black Santa emoji <laughs> <laughs> my winter break was lovely I made my first ever roast which I'm very excited about I've told everyone about that yeah you can't stop talking about this I'm roast, just really her. proud because I don't know, think it happened do you know what it's the whole like if the tree falls in the woods thing do you know what? I don't even mind those who know know <laughs> which is those who One know, person. Listen. Don't listen me, Musa Hendrix, Hendrix, Hendrix played Woodstock. Not everyone went to it, but everyone knows about it. What are you talking about? I've got the blooming DVD of it. Were you there? It was fake news. The, the moon landing oh, was fake oh, news. Can you not? Let's continue. Can how was you? your How was your winter break? It was great until I got back. <laughs> 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 no, it was good. It was good. There was one. There was one bad thing that happened. There was one negative experience of my winter break. I have to talk about. Oh no! Yeah, it was really bad. So we went shopping just before Christmas for mince pies. We went shopping so late, all the brandy butter was sold out. Oh my god! I know, Musa, I know, don't I know. do that to me. Man. Sorry, I was sorry. really concerned then. <laughs> oh my god! How the other half live? My Christmas was ruined by the lack of brandy butter. <laughs> troll neck. Fucking troll neck. <laughs> all right, we've got um, a question from Fi Genesis. It says. Let's get the official Stadio response. Who's better, Madison or Grealish? Oh, Madison, because Madison's peak... Slightly different players. They are, they are. But in terms of creativity, Madison's peak is not yet in sight. Is Grealish's though. Grealish is in a team... And now this is no disrespect to Villa because I love watching Villa, actually. And there's not that much between them, actually. But, you know, here's the funny thing. You know, if they were playing for Man City, Pepe just made them both number eights. He would, wouldn't You're he? obsessed with this pet number eight thing. But it's true. It's a thing. Like, it's so nice. It's so nice. Ronaldo like, Lukaku is going to join Pep when Pep returns to Barcelona and Pep's going to play him in the number eight role. No, he'll make him to a left back. Oh my goodness. He will. Ball he'll playing centre back. He will. He will. You know, you know, you know what Pep's like. <laughs> he always has to do one thing. Guardiola looks at his team sheet and he's like, it's not weird enough. It's not strange enough. <laughs> he's like Lex Luthor, isn't he? He's always got to like just do stuff. That's because like, he's bald. Yeah, he's bald and also... 
Evil genius that runs a <laughs> evil genius. Multinational. Yes, yeah, yeah. The dark side. Have you watched Smallville? No. Well, I only because a it's a bit character. when it used to be on it used to be on T four back in the day. Lex Luthor's character in Smallville is basically Guardiola. He's actually like meant to be this like evil dude, but he's actually like weirdly nice and he's actually friends with Superman. You're like, oh, so Guardiola's like that, disorientating. Well, I'm not going back and watching all the Smallvilles. Just watch, just watch a couple. Just go on YouTube. Watch a couple of scenes on YouTube. You've got me to watch things. Only because you'd never seen an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So so Smallville. Well, what's the the difference? They're both iconic. These are leagues apart here. They're both iconic though. They're iconic. They are iconic. Smallville's iconic. There can be two icons. It's okay. Anyway, let's get back to Madison and Grealish. Let's get back to Madison and Grealish. All right, so you reckon Madison is the better player? I think Grealish has got the better calves, for sure. Yeah, that's true. Tennis players' calves. I think that's the only reason that he wears his socks low, is to be like, look at these bad boys. Marketing. Oh my God, marketing. Can you imagine if he got them sponsored? He should. Oh my goodness. Just a couple of swooshes on the back of his socks. Do you know what? <laughs> that is that branded content when a player is branded. That's actually the new thing. The thing I love about Grealish is he so enjoys being a footballer. You know when you see someone in like mm-hmm. a town centre, you're like, that person's a footballer. Like um, the hairstyle. Yeah. He's like, I'm like, I love how much he loves it. He always looks like he's just got back from holiday. Jack Grealish. Do you know how like Lee Hendry was like yeah. the kind of the predecessor of Grealish in terms of like a player who could only ever be a Villa hero? You know, that kind of energy of like, when, when Hendry was flying, he was like brilliant. And it was like, he really embodied that kind of spirit of like, you know, you know Aston, a yeah. working class, real Midlands. And you look at Grealish and there's something quite alluring about that because he's flash. But you can imagine not being above people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's a, but he looks like someone who's like... He's really stepped up now. He's, yeah. Since he's been captain as well. He's, no, he's played some beautiful stuff. And I don't... There's a huge amount between Madison and Grealish. Let me just say mm. that for the, for the record. I think they're both tremendous players and just really exciting. Like, I hope they get like a real sort of push in the England setup too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I think um, Jay, uh, Jack Grealish strikes me as a two-club man. You know, he'll yeah. leave Villa and then I think he'll go somewhere for the rest of his career. Grealish in Spain would be so cool. Oh, wow. So cool. Grealish at Real. Oh. Actually, Grealish at Atleti. He's got the work ethic for it. That's a nice little shout, actually. Yeah. Okay, another question. I like these. These are wholesome questions. Okay, this is from Jack. Who would you choose from the footballing world to deliver a Ricky Gervais Golden Globe style monologue at the next big football-related award show event? Sam Allardyce. Yeah? Yeah. It's just like, it's just the most, it just seems it's, it's him, isn't it? My one's Mick McCarthy. I could just imagine Mick standing there just being like no one cares about what you think about anything just move it along don't thank anyone the reason why it wouldn't be McCarthy for me is because to do a thing like that you have to lack self-awareness and I think Sam Allardyce has that he's that magical combination of extremely perceptive actually Sam Allardyce is extremely perceptive about the trends in football you know the stats stuff I mean he really was ahead of his time in that respect but also I think sometimes lacks the the introspection, he talks about like British managers not getting a chance. And you look at like the Premier League now, like, yeah, they are. They are getting, yeah, they, they, they are. They're getting a chance, yeah. Um, and actually it speaks well to the quality of British managers in such a globalised league. They're still getting, getting a shout. In, um, a, in an eight-minute Sam Allardyce Awards monologue, yeah. how many times do you reckon he'd mention Aladici? Oh, he doesn't even say Aladici. He doesn't say it right. He says Aladicio. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think how many times would he... I'd go for six mentions of Aladicio. In and how much minutes. would he talk about foreign managers basically like without reputations getting a place Just get together. Brexit done. Get, just get it done. Get it done. Get it done. Just get it done. Yes, yeah, Allardyce for me. There was one from Elliot Monaghan. Verdict on Bielsa Ball's first outing against the Premier League side. We kind of covered it, but they were absolutely brilliant. First Bielsa is what Bielsa them. does. Yeah. It's almost like a microcosm of a Bielsa season, isn't it? There was one bit as well where he wasn't sat on one of those lovely comfy chairs in the Emirates away dugout. He was sat on 
like a bucket or something like a box. Do you know what we like should a send? Box. We should send him like a stadio stool, not branded, but just like send him a stool. I might. I think we should probably make a, you know, like a bag for life, like a stadio bag for life, and just send it to him. Just a one-off, an yeah. addition of one, because there was that picture. He's always carrying like a Sainsbury's carrier bag, walking through Leeds. Love it. Uh, this was a good question from Ken Getofsky. If you had to slash could move any team from Europe to another league, wow. Which would you do and where do you think they would finish? Big love for the pod. Thanks, Ken. Oh, thanks, Ken. Well, I love that question so much. Okay, for me, it's Bayern. Do you know why? Get them out of the Bundesliga yeah. and let other teams win all the time. Uh-huh. And then put them, let them taste it. Let them taste the Premier League, actually. Oh. Yeah. Bayern in the Premier League. Yeah. Well, that just means Arsenal are going to be even further away from Champions League spots. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? In terms of like moving Bayern to a different country, would change the Bundesliga overnight. I'd move by into the Icelandic Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, the, other, the second choice, a close second would be Atleti to the Premier League. Oh, it's very Premier League centric. I'd stick by in the... Um, hmm, would I? Well, if, if Atleti go into the Premier League... All right, well, hang on. Atleti to the Premier League, where do they finish? This Atleti. Yeah. Mm, sad to say, but fourth. Yeah, fourth, I think, yeah. as well. Sad to say it, but I think for- Bayern in the Premier League. Oh my God. No, that's, see, that's already got me interested. I think fifth. I think fifth as well. I think fifth. No lower than fifth, but no higher than fifth. Yeah. Fifth. Wow. That's interesting. What a question. These, these questions are like, good thing we ate the brain food this Christmas because they're coming for us. This is- I didn't eat. I ate so bad over Christmas. Actually, I have no brain food. I didn't eat any brain food. <laughs> oh, no, actually, no. Shout out to you, Gannon, cooking. My mum did yeah. the Lord's work. Sweet potato. You know the thing, cassava? Yeah. I'm like, there's a, there's a Ugandan meal called Deknor. It's like split peas, lentils with peanut butter, and you serve it with cassava, and it's like... Oh, wow. Thank God it's not been gentrified yet. I shouldn't talk about it in the podcast, actually, because once they discover it, it's over. This is a good one from Neil Sedgwick. Which team or individual player had the best Christmas slash New Year period, and who slash which team had the worst? I think Lukaku had the best. Yeah? Lukaku went big. I think he got two braces. I mean, De Bruyne was balling out, but De Bruyne does what he does. And it's kind of easy to forget how brilliant he is, because he's just always peaking. I was going to say Watford and Southampton. Oh, that's a nice shout. In the Premier League. Yeah, you know, Hasenhutl, shout out to him. Actually, there was a great tweet, I think I sent it to you from Miguel Delaney. Yeah. And Miguel was like, you know, fair play to Southampton for sticking with Hasenhutl after that 9-0 loss to Leicester. Mm. Because he's just a great man. There aren't many Hasenhutls on the market. I think now, I think, you know, we had the kind of hire and fire era of the Premier League. And now people are like, you don't ditch an outstanding coach. I think we've learned, I think the Premier League has learned the value of coaches, partly because of the financial inequalities have forced people to work with resources that aren't always ideal. And yeah, shout out to those two teams. They deserved a bump as well. And they kind of, I kind of like them both. I kind of yeah. like Watford and Southampton. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I have a soft spot for Southampton, obviously yeah. because of Southampton Rob. Yeah, Southampton Rob, shout out. Happy and uh, I was really hyped about Hars and Hutt going there and I still think they're a good match. Yeah. I agree. And yeah, I'd like to see him be there for quite a long time. Great question. These are all great questions. Hey, you wait for this one. Kunle Ajayo. Oh, Kunle's back. Well done. Love it. Would the guys opt for a catfish free 2020 or a roll neck free 2020? <laughs> oh my God. You're blocked. You're blocked for even. <laughs> Get out of my timeline. Yeah. Is this, listen, I'm doubling down on roll necks. I'm doubling down on roll necks. I'm actually wearing two roll necks today. Look, see? Oh, thermal. Yeah, a thermal wow. roll neck. This, is, this yes. is uncomfortable. So it's like Inception. Oh, I didn't, I haven't told my roll neck story. Oh my God. Okay, so before, before we continue, yeah. So no, we will be having catfish this year and we will be having roll necks this year. 
you can't get rid of the catfish. They're like, when the nuclear like war is over, do the only me- two things that will survive are cockroaches and catfish. Do you have any- <laughs> before before your roll next door, do you remember- actually I think this is Kunlet replied. You sent a tweet wishing all the listeners a happy catfish through twenty twenty, and he was oh, like, no, no. <laughs> Kinley was like, no one wants a catfish through 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I tried a roll neck on. I was uh, in Uniqlo at Manchester uh, and I tried on a roll neck. But your roll necks are always like really thick knit. Right? Some of them, some of them, some of them. I've got Most variety. of them are quite heavy knit, right? I like to keep, sort of change it up. I tried like a nice thin knit one on. Hmm. And I had my jeans on and those old school like Adidas trainers, the white ones. And I basically looked like the Bundesliga's next kind of like hot prospect manager. <laughs> You're going to hate me for saying this, but you have to use that as the Stadio like backdrop. You know that Stadio backdrop, the, the picture. <laughs> I'm not putting me in. No, you have to. No, I'm not. I'm not doing it. Mm. I'm not doing it. it. I've got a picture of that, haven't I? Have you no, oh, you no. haven't. Oh no, no, Musa. Send it to me. Send it to me. Don't make me walk. Send it. to I me. I will walk. <laughs> send it to me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was tempted. There's something quite it really um, nice. It suited you. It looked really nice. It kind of felt like uh, you know when you see superheroes put on their suit for the first time and they kind of be like, oh, you know what? This I can mm. get into this. Exactly. Yeah, you see, yeah, you're harnessing the power of the roll neck. But also, I just thought oh. you can't come to the dark side. You can't. You can't. Look what's happened to me. Look, it's consumed me. It's consumed me. Don't. Yeah, don't. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want my roll neck to define me. There's a better way for you out there, Ryan. Don't don't get. I've got a cardigan on. The, the, that, looks, that looks great. The card looks, he's got a very, what's a very sort of nice autumnal actually vibe. Yeah, it? it's nice, huh? Yeah, it's good. It suits just, you actually. Just getting ready for my part-time job in a library. It's very, no, it's very kind of like, oh, I actually do work with Arteta. Me and Mikhail have a bit of a chat on it. I think I'm at the age where I, I can wear a cardigan non-ironically. You look like you work with Arteta. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Is it the hair? He's got better hair. It's a, it's a comp- my hair's, I've got too got many hair out of place. I can't talk about hair myself. He's got better hair than everyone. We're going off a tangent here. We sorry, sorry, we sorry. lost everyone. Uh, sorry, let's sorry, go sorry. to a question from Vid Kolofsky. Can you borrow some NBA style awards? It would be interesting to hear who might be the most improved player at the end of the season and defensive player of the year. Wow. Defensive player of the year? Roberto Firmino. Oh, you, do, you know, do you know why? Do you know why? Yeah, you know why I say that? I was talking to um, a friend about this. Shout out. I think it was Matt Ridley. Well, I bumped, so a friend of mine, Matt Ridley, amazing guy, shout out to Matt, I was at law school with him. And we bumped into each other on the way back from, uh, on my way back from the UK. We hadn't seen each other for three years, but in the same WhatsApp group, haven't seen him for three years. Bumped into him and he was basically like really cool at talking about the kind of people that play the Firmino role and they didn't realise how demanding it was. You know, stepping into that role and the amount of work that he does. So I think that defensively, he's astonishing. And, you know, there's a good argument he's, probably the premier of the elite defensive forward in modern times. He was what Gabriel Jesus was meant to be for City. And Jesus started really well, as we all saw. But the defensive side of Jesus' game was so maybe important for him mm. that he lost the goal-scoring instinct. And of course, Aguero balling out didn't help. So yeah, for me, it's Firmino so far. You look how much the press has defined um, Liverpool's success. You could argue that he has been their most influential player. Oh, for sure. Could I argue, think he's could one argue, of, yeah. yeah, could argue it, you know. Hmm. I don't know, you know. So it's a, that's a tough question. It's a great question. And then most improved as well, because there's always a sense of like, oh my God, like you were terrible. Which doesn't mean they were terrible to start with, because you look at the NBA, Pascal Siakam could be most improved again, and he was amazing last year. I'd go for Timo Werner. That's amazing, actually. He's at that kind of age bracket as well that pe- people tend to get most improved. They tend to get it in the NBA in like their third or fourth season a lot of the time, you know. Well, I've said this a lot before, I when think. they make a leap. But, but if you look at like the Leipzig attack, it was the weak link, and... They only got like 60-odd goals last year in 34 games or whatever in the league game. And now they're on pace to get maybe 20 more than that. Mm. And he's been unleashed under um, 
Nagelsmann and a major criticism we've mentioned before in this podcast, I think I have, Alan Shearer critiquing Timo Werner's movement um, during the, the, the last Euros, the last World, World Cup, Cup, sorry, yeah. the World Cup, during the World Cup, and saying that his movement was just like way off the pace and now he's so dynamic. Yeah, he's amazing. It's a great show. And there's loads of talk about him going to Chelsea, but I just don't think he would move at the moment. And I don't think Leipzig would let him go at the top of the league. You know, just, they could genuinely win the Bundesliga this season. I don't like that move for either party. Let's have a look at another question. One from Cheeky Ball Boys. Oh, hey, shout out. Bob Penner. So Bob delivered these delicious pastries or cookies. Yeah. So Bob, Cheeky Ball Boys, great podcast, that one, by the way. Um, and Bob Penner, all the way over in Portland, Oregon, and him and his lovely partner, Danielle, sent us this delicious box of cookies. And they tasted amazing. Oh my goodness. We are still in the process of consumption. We have to ration them. We're still tasting them. We've got a basically just calorie counting. <laughs> I would happily eat nothing else but those cookies for the rest of my days. <laughs> those cookies are not long for this world, unfortunately. They'll be, they'll be gone very soon. Let's get on to Bob's question. Yeah. If you could take one player from your club's history that was deemed unsuccessful at the club and wave a magic wand to give them a do-over, who would it be? Oh, without question, Juan Sebastian Veron. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like... I know that Claberson didn't have the best time at United, but there were other factors there. Not Juan for Sebastian, them. No, because Juan Sebastian Veron, in many ways, is more tragic because the expectation was so much greater. Forlan was seen as kind of a instinctive finisher, which of course he wasn't. He wasn't at all. I mean, he's dead eye. He was ruthless for Uruguay and for Atleti. Uh, Veron really, you know, statistically, he was ranked slightly ahead of Zidane at the time that he moved to United. Came into a team without a clear plan for him. They took him from a a place where he had a defensive midfield minder the whole time, I think it was Almeida at Lazio, and put him in a 4-4-2 alongside Keane, who was often ahead of him in the play. And he basically like, had a really terrible time and never fully recovered his prominence in Europe. So for me, it would be Veron, without doubt. That's interesting. I think from an Arsenal point of view, I and assuming the magic wand could make a player's injury problems go away. Oh, wow. Okay, yes. I'd say Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I think that's a great shot. And he would have defined a new era for Arsenal. He would have been like the main man for a decade, I think. Well, I genuinely think he would have been one of the greatest midfielders of all time. I agree. Had he not had his ankle shattered. I agree. And so, actually when he came from Ozair, he was flying. And just his skill year. set, you know, tall, athletic, incredibly intelligent, vision, um, technical ability, reading the game, screening finishing, the back four. Finishing. He was, Unbelievable. It's actually a bit heartbreaking to think about. It's actually, if you think- it genuinely, it genuinely kind of upsets me when I get, when I think about it too much because he was so good. So, so good. There's something particularly cruel about that. You know, look, I mean, I've always talked about Brandon Roy in the NBA and Tracy McGrady. When your body is the only thing, and Greg Oden as well, shout out to Greg Oden. Portland Trailblazers had some bad luck with injuries. When your body is the only thing between you and greatness, mm. you know, when you're so great that the only thing that will stop you is that. that that's, that's what kills me because. At the end of the day, Abu Dhabi hopefully made some kind of living out of football and has got a decent income and sits there with his mates and chats about it. But the thing about being a great player is you look back on those days and what you did and he just never got the chance to do it. Yeah. So it's so unfair. So unfair. We've got a long question here in the form of an email from Steve Carline. Hi, Musa Ryan. Recent convert to your pods. Oh, very nice indeed. I support Manchester City. Everything suggests that Pep Guardiola will move on this summer. I assume to Juventus or PSG after a sabbatical. Wow. The team seems to be on a slight downward trajectory, admittedly not helped by serious injuries to key players like Laporte and Sané. Right. And Pep's starting to look fatigued and pressured, understandably. 
the summer we'll see David Silva and probably Fernandinho move on and suddenly partly because Liverpool have pushed on so much it feels like with or without Guardiola next season might be the start of a fresh cycle given the club's being rebuilt from the top down with Pep in mind perhaps common sense suggests Pochettino could be the most sensible option Brendan Rodgers might tick lots of boxes too both are proponents of attacking football have recent experience at top four clubs fit the profile of coach the top brass at City like would probably work well within the structure alongside Bagheristein and our Spanish-speaking like most of the backroom staff, so might be good continuity candidates. To get to the point, do you think Julian Nagelsmann could be a good fit, and if so, or if not, why? Tactically, how do you think he'd fare with the current City setup? Assuming whoever follows Guardiola might struggle to motivate the players initially, does he have the type of personality who could motivate a more stacked squad of bigger egos? All the best, Steve. Can I face first of all? That's an amazing question. And it was funny because I was listening to it and I was like, this is like a, you know, I love that that, that email because it was quite cinematic in terms of all the different scenarios I was throwing up in my head. As I listened to it, I was like, wow, like, first of all, Steve, like, obviously knows his, you know, his onions. And um, yeah, he said at the beginning, I can't give up on them now after the 20 years spent watching the likes of Jamie Pollock, Mikel Vaughn, (laughs) Jerry Creaney. So he's an old school. Hey, Creaney was very good at Celtic though, wasn't he Mm -hmm. for a bit? He was a brilliant player. Uh, Shout out to Jerry Creaney at Celtic. Wow. Okay. Amazing question. I and thought this would be nice to, to round up on. God, it's such a, so it's such, such a rich question. My yeah. brain's like cogitating, not just thinking, but cogitating. Okay. So Nagelsmann at City would be incredible. I think. I think he'd be brilliant because I think that City players, no matter how senior, love learning. I don't, they don't strike me as a particularly egotistical bunch. He doesn't strike me as a kind of guy who would go in there and be like, you old a lot. You're not good for anything. I think he'd work with what he has really well. I think he's shown he can do that at Leipzig. I think that Pochettino would again be an excellent hire. I'm the, the slight concern I have about Pochettino in terms of whether they would hire him. They do seem attracted to trophies, and they might say that Nagelsmann hasn't won a lot, but he's done a lot more with less. And they might have the kind of concern that he's not someone that gets over the finish line. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that actually Tuchel would be the front runner for a job like that. He's shown that he can beat elite teams in Europe in the Champions League. He's shown that if given resources, he can be utterly dominant. And I don't think that's just PSG. I think he's actually like the truth. You look at the fact that Tuchelsmann basically led the best attack Dortmund maybe had ever seen in their history. Um, And the pieces he was working with at Dortmund, they have not looked as good since working with Tuchel. If you look at Dembele, he hasn't recovered that consistency of output. Um, You look at Mkhitaryan, he certainly hasn't. So I think for me, and and Weigel as well, Weigel looked really good. So I think that. Tuchel, for me, would be the guy that gets the City job. There's a slight danger. I mean, I'm not, not accusing Steve of this. When we talk about continuity, sometimes we look at managers, one in the mould of the other. I think it's useful to look at a manager who's not in the mould. When you're going for a new manager, I think it's good to sort of almost break out of it and say, okay, let, let's reinterpret it. And I think that tactically, none of those names I've mentioned would struggle. Mm. I don't think they would struggle. I... That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure Rogers would be a good fit. No, no, no. I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I think Poch probably could. I'm not entirely sure if he would go to another Premier League club. It feels a bit claustrophobic yeah, doing that. I think Spain next for Poch or potentially the PSG job if Pep doesn't get it because he's obviously got links with PSG because right, he right. played for him. I'm not too sold on Nagelsmann to City next season. 
I think it's still a little bit too soon for Nagelsmann. I think he's he's only 32, 33. And he has unfinished business, I think, as well at Leipzig, which is also key. Yeah, I don't think he needs to do it. And and Nagelsmann's always struck me as someone who believes in his own ability. Yeah. You know, I think he turned down Bayern. There were reports that he turned down Bayern. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. And that, to me, suggests that he knows that he will get those kind of jobs someday. And someone who really, really believes in what he's doing and also building his resume in a way. Nagelsmann strikes the type of dude that like turns up for a second date with a 10 year plan. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is, I want it to go. Like we'll do this. We'll get an investment here. We'll move to the country at this point. And then like, he's and then like, Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is a leap. That's more of a leap than uh, RB Leipzig to see. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else out there would be, would make sense. We always talk about him, but I would be really, I don't, I would really like to see Simeone in a top Premier League job. I think that there could potentially be something in that Manchester City, although I don't it's think that stylistically it works. No, it's not a fit, I don't think. But I think in terms of kudos and profile, it's I can't the kind think of, of a Premier League team, go for. with the exception of Everton, I can't think of a Premier League team that has the fit where you can just impose your will. You know, it, I, I Burnley. Can't think, I'd like to see Simeone at Burnley. Oh my goodness. <laughs> terrible. You'd never get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Simeone at Burnley, make it happen. You couldn't get your car out of the car park. Just do a manager swap. Sean Dyche to Atleti. Can you imagine Sean Dyche on the, the, on the touchline at the Wonder? Do you know what's so funny if he went to Burnley? Everyone in the town would buy into his ethos. Oh, it would be like Bielsa at Leeds, but like super, super turbo. You come out the train station, <laughs> you get slightly tackled by the traffic warden. <laughs> <laughs> Someone put a reducer on you. There, there, you're like, that would be iconic. That would be iconic. <laughs> oh my God. What the, why do people listen to us, man? Simeone to Burnley. What the hell are we talking it's about? It's perfection. It would be incredible. Poor Steve, we haven't really given him an answer. I think your answer was best. I was, I'm. Yeah, probably you're right. I can't really think of... I think Tuckle actually, yeah, Tuckle, Tuckle to City is a shout, a massive shout. But I'm just more moved by the fact that, like, you know, Steve is so confident that Guado is leaving the summer. That says so much for... Well, it's the fourth season, the you pressure, know. The pressure of the job. I mean, what Steve has highlighted, the pressure of the City job with the resources, the expectation of winning, and the fact that even if you do win, you don't really get the kind of adulation because you don't because of the resources. So to an extent, the City, the beauty of the football they've played has almost, I think, slightly been understated mm. because it's very hard to do that with all the resources. I mean, look at United. United are a great example of literally having all the money in the world and producing content like that, you know, football like content. that. I mean, I mean really, really, really. Like, but I just think the idea that um, Guardiola is off this summer will have such great implications for the Premier League, I think. And I, like I said, I said that Liverpool win. I told, told my friend Matt, I said that I think they won three of the next five league titles. Guardiola at Juve. I can see yeah, that. but why? Because that's what he does. I still think back to Barca is my favourite shout. I'd love that. Yeah, actually. I would really love, that, love that, actually. Get Valverde in at Man City. Two clubs. That, oh, <laughs> listen, I'm not, let's, no, let's get out of here. I'm sorry, we've, I'm sorry. We've caused enough, we've caused enough trouble already. Oh no, we're cancelled already. The spice, we've been cancelled, yeah. Um, before we go, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and a review. It really helps us grow the podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Stadio. You can follow us on Instagram at Stadio Football. Also, we're putting more stuff on the website these days. Yeah, you've got a piece coming up soon. Yeah. Stadio.football is the website. And we'll be back on Monday. We will indeed. We'll be playing out on... Oh, yeah, I totally forgot we did that. There we go. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, we're playing out on the dub version of Masters of War by Annika. Bob Dylan cover. Tune of tunes that you sent it through and I loved it. Great stuff. Uh, see you Monday. Take care, people. <laughs> <laughs>